0: this is module one of a masterclass i put together to help skilled restaurant chefs earn six figures or multiple six figures in the private service industry i believe that any chef should at least know about the private service industry working for estates or ultra high net worth individuals in their vacation homes personal homes or anywhere around the world where you're needed i think this is an option for restaurant chefs that are highly skilled change their life, have a better income and a better future outlook and more job satisfaction being a chef. So let's dive right in. This is module one of the Private Chef Masterclass. Welcome to module one of the six-figure Private Chef Class. Now I want to dive into the difference between a restaurant chef towards being a chef in a private household. There is many differences and not everybody is made for either. So when I first came out of the restaurant space into private households, you know, I had to get accustomed to a couple different things. Firstly, I didn't have a team anymore. I didn't have prep people anymore, you know, and the ambience is very different. Uh, While some of our chef kitchens in the private space might be almost commercial great and some families have built it out that way. Others are a lot more homey, maybe like the kitchen I'm in right now. So you have to be aware of the space you're in and how you utilize it. You also have to be aware of, you know, just the way you have to be as a person is obviously completely different. There is no more space for big egos in the private household. You know, you have to work a lot cleaner because the household in general will be pretty much spotless. Most of the estates we work on, they have housekeepers, they're fully dialed in and they're meticulous. So people are used to that level of cleanliness. So you wanna make sure that your kitchen lives up to that standard, which might be very different than some of the restaurants you might've worked in. Sometimes in the middle of service, you know, when you have hundreds of covers, it can be more like a war zone and then you take care of it. In the private space, it's slightly different. So for me, the transition wasn't a challenge, but it was something that I had to get accustomed to. You know, I've worked in, in a range of different restaurants, and occasionally was exposed to private spaces. And then I was exposed to private spaces a bit more uh, through my occasional catering experiences, which, which helped me a lot because uh, it taught me what also we as as a group were paying attention to in people's home. When we were rolling in with a lot more equipment, maybe, or, you know, we would always make sure to cover the counters accordingly. It already taught me what the principles care for. And obviously nobody wants uh, anything to be destroyed in the process of you simply preparing a meal. So when you come into this environment, you want to make sure you act accordingly. You want to make sure you're being smart about how you utilize your space. And I think one of the biggest differences is also as a person of how you are, how you interact with other people, the tonality must change quite significantly because... um, Unlike a restaurant where the menu is largely an expression of the chef's flavor profiles or taste or what he would like to express, maybe based on what's currently in the market. In a private household, it's a lot more about the clients, how they would like to have the ambience set, when they would like to eat, what they would like to eat. You know, it's less, uh, the kitchen is less an expression of what you as a chef would like to cook. So that's an adjustment for many chefs because, you know, you don't speak to the waiter and be like, hey, this is the menu. Tell them like, you know, and you have to have the service attitude where we're like, sure, we we can make those adjustments. Sure, we will make this happen. And that's, I think, one of the biggest shifts for most of the restaurant chefs because it's a, it's a very different environment and it's a very different way of serving people. And that's the number one reason that people have the chicken and the egg problem in this industry that families are not willing to take a shot on people that don't yet have private experience and at the same time how is a restaurant chef supposed to get private experience if nobody is giving them the chance to get private experience and that's one of the reasons i put this class together so that you have a better understanding on how to navigate that and you know step from maybe underpaid and underappreciated position into one of those six figure private chef positions that are out there all around the world. So I want to make sure that you know how to communicate with people and the difference between restaurant tonality and the private household tonality. And I also want to make sure that you understand what you're getting into, which is why, again, I put this course together. And um, it's more than a decade of experience from myself and decades of experience I've I've spoken to, I interviewed, you know, that being part of our community. So when you come into a private household, you want to make sure you you flip the switch and you go into a service mindset. And ideally, you already have a service heart, but you also want to make sure that when you're there, you're there to create an experience for everybody who's there. And that could be... You know, the principal themselves, they always want to feel taken care of. At the end of the day, you are there to make their day more delightful. You're there to make their day more smoothly. You're there to make sure they feel better based on what they eat. And at times they might ask you for junk food. But at the end of the day, try to cook food that makes them feel great, either emotionally or also physically, you know. So uh, you want to make sure you're taking care of them. But at the same time, there's more individuals to take care of. Oftentimes, they are guests. And that's really um, the hour to shine for you. Not in the sense that you become very colorful and you become the center of the occasion. But rather, it's the hour to shine for you because you can make sure that you represent your principal in the best possible light. Occasionally, you might have to greet people at the door and show them to where they have to go in the estate. Because maybe... Uh, depending on the structure of the household right now, the housekeeper or the butler or whoever else would be around the estate manager isn't around to greet them. Maybe the principal is still taking a bath, uh, not ready yet with dressing. And this is eventually an opportunity for you to make sure you put your best foot forward. You know, you welcome them in a warm manner. And generally, it goes a long way to be a welcoming individual, you know, and me being German, I'm not always the, the most smiley person. But in, in the bottom of my heart, I appreciate, you know, welcoming people warmly. And, um, and I think that's one of the, the ways for you to make sure that you always act in the best interest of your principal and understand what's important to them in any particular situation. And going back to maybe guests are coming, nobody's around to greet them, make sure you give them a warm welcome point them to the right room or the right part of the estate uh, where they're supposed to meet the principal, and offer them some drinks or some snacks, something basic that makes them feel welcome while they're waiting. And in that particular moment, you might feel like, whoa, 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 this is not my priority because I'm here to cook, you know, and and I have to get uh, lunch ready for this or I have to prepare dinner or I have to go shopping. The reality is your priorities should to some degree shift with the priorities of the principle you should at all point try to understand what's on their priority list and while you might want to stick to what's important to you given that your task at hand is kind of lunch and dinner you want to make sure if this is a very valuable guest to the house if this is someone they deeply care for for whatever reason it could be personally Or it could be uh, business related. You want to make sure that you put as much attention towards that situation to make it delightful for the principal as well as the guest as possible. Whatever you can do, you know, to support them in, in having the right kind of ambience. And that could be maybe they're sitting outside and it's a nice day in fall, but it's slightly cold. Maybe there's an outside heating system that you can turn on for them. Maybe they came just before the sunset. Make sure that the lights are set. Make sure the ambience is set. You know, maybe there is candles that you can light. Maybe there are strings you can serve because right now no one else is there to do it. Maybe there is a blanket you can extend to them because, again, it might be a night in fall where it's slightly cold. You want to make sure that you make them feel welcome. These things go a long way, and you might have noticed it has almost nothing to do with being a chef. And that's one of the biggest differences that... A lot of what's going on in the household and a lot of what you're being paid for and what you will be most appreciated for isn't based on the skill set that you deliver on the plate. And we have another module later where I will speak about this, uh, you know, how you can basically become indispensable beyond what you put food on the table. And I think that this is one of the biggest distinctions and that's where chefs that come from restaurants might either not appreciate the opportunity or the job, or they think it's, hey, that's not what you hired me for. But all of those things are part of the job. That's, that's the reality. And I've spoken to hundreds of private chefs, and, and I've spoken to dozens of clients' principals about this, because the reality is we are there to delight, and we're there to make their day smoother. So in order for you to excel, you really need to be a people's person without making yourself a character. You know there is a place for you to communicate with them, but at the same time, you always want to stay on the more conservative end. You know, be friendly, but don't become a friend. You want to always keep in mind that you're a service professional at the end of the day. And no matter what's going on, uh, this is a certain relationship. Um, And the people that I've seen that have the biggest longevity in positions with families, they remember that. That at any given time, they are a service professional who is very friendly, but who doesn't become a friend. While we might get really close to the family, and, and that's natural because, you know, you will be there with their kids. You will be there for the biggest celebrations in their life. You will be there when they have the biggest hardships. You will be a lot closer at times that you might be comfortable with. And those are all things that, unlike in a restaurant kitchen, are part of your job at this point. So you want to make sure you're very comfortable being being in those situations. And again, there's different jobs with different families. There's some that are a lot closer and there's others where the state and the general structure of their life is such that you will barely get to see the principal. And that, that's by default. So there is a position for you in this space. If you feel like, hey, 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 I don't want to get too personal or at least I don't want to get too close. Uh, there's something to be said about being very wise around... Who you're gonna work with and in the early stage of you trying to get into this space uh, you you might feel like oh I, I need to get the first job possible because uh, that's that's my way in that's my segue into the industry and that might be true. Uh, but generally one of the things I always like to encourage is to really sit down for yourself and focus on what kind of quality, what kind of people, What kind of personality and demands would I like to work for? And what would really bring out the best in my personal skill set as well as personality? And this is something that many of the chefs kind of crystallize over the years. They're like, okay, in this environment, maybe there were a couple of kids. Maybe the principal was very, very communicative and very involved, or maybe even micromanaged them. Maybe in this environment, I didn't thrive so much. But hey, in this family, they've been very appreciative. You know, they've been kind of hands off. Um, After some time, they earned or I earned their trust and we trusted each other. So they gave you a little bit more of the creative paths and you could just go to the market and cook what what you wanted and you know occasionally they would say maybe this this but um, there are those different kind of situations so one of the things i encourage you to do before you dive into even speaking to an agency or speaking to clients speaking to anybody is becoming crystal clear on what would you appreciate in a perfect scenario and you want to start with Maybe what do they care for in their personal life? You know, um, I've always found a great sense of fulfillment working for people that make a difference in the world and something that I also cared for. You know, it could be people that, either are very influential in a certain space and drive the needle into a certain direction. Or, you know, they could be building amazing companies. They could be of political influence. Obviously, as a service professional, like if you're a chef in the White House, you want to be non-political. But the reality is, for me personally, there was always a greater sense of fulfillment if I felt I'm working for someone who has an impact on the world on something that I care for. And sometimes... That might not be the case. And that's cool. And you might just go for who the family is, you know, how they are with each other. And I think that's also something you want to be crystal clear of. is like, what kind of family you don't want to work for? Do you want to work for someone who doesn't know your name, who doesn't greet you, basically just thinks you're part of the inventory of the estate and you're there to produce food for them? Those families exist. And for some chefs, that might be preferable. But I think generally everybody wants to have a sense of appreciation in the workspace. And there are families that know how to treat people well. And there are families that know or haven't figured that part out yet. So the more clear you become about that in the early stage, the better. You, you also want to get clear about what's the arrangement like? Will you have to travel a lot? Some of the jobs I was in, I had to travel like six, nine months of the year. I was on the road a lot. I was almost never home, uh, you know, and and that can be really tough if you already have a family or you have a committed life partner or you have kids, that might be very challenging. So you want to make sure, hey, what's part of this position? Do I have to be in Malibu a lot, but, uh, you know, the main estate is actually in Virginia. So y- you want to understand what it's like. You want to understand Hey, am I the only chef in the family life? Uh, but they have five residences and they have a yacht and the plane, and I have to be um, kind of available for all of those different possibilities. Or am I one chef on one estate? And when the family travels, they might fall back on other chefs, or they might go out to restaurants. You know, uh, do they have a certain annual vacation that you might or might not be part of? You know, what's what's their life like? Um, like I used to work for one particular family. And they were super active. Like they would visit dozens of places a month. And the expectation was that I would tag along. And um, you know, you wanna make sure that you know what you're getting into. So whenever you go into this space, become crystal clear. And that's one of the reasons we put together a worksheet for you. So you can go through this mental exercise and ask yourself firstly, define who you wanna work for. And why? Secondly, define what they like to eat. Does that suit your skill set? And a simple example is like if a family loves Korean, Chinese food, Asian food overall, and you have zero experience and you come from a classical French direction, Mediterranean And that's actually something that happened to myself where I was in a situation where a family told me they they appreciate Asian food very much. And I was like, well, I'm not the right fit for that because I don't have a decade of Asian food experience. I have a decade of experience working in the space and, you know, um, cooking very healthy Mediterranean and French cuisine Uh, You know, obviously I have a German background, but I'm not like super proficient in Asian food the way someone else might be. So, okay, this might not be a natural fit and that's good. And then the third one is define how much time you're willing to travel. You want to make sure that you understand the requirements around travel because it can be immense. Even if it's just a summer in the Hamptons, that could be anywhere between three to five months, depending on how they do it, how they like to be there. And depending on where the main residence is, uh, the summer might also be a six-day work week. And then even New York City is kind of far to just roll back for one day of the, of the week. So you want to understand all of those different things. And you also want to kind of become clear about what's the benefit package that you're looking for. And working with agencies, now the standards for benefit packages become a little bit higher. But many families that are maybe just coming into the luxury of having a private chef don't know yet what to do around those things. They don't know how to offer it. It's, it's, it's a slight headache on the hand. There are very established structures in some families where those are no-brainers. And with others, this is a communication you need to have. This is a conversation you need to have. And definitely you want to know, okay, what's my value in this marketplace? Or what's, how do you value your time? And that's actually the bigger piece is, Not so much the marketplace, but how do you value your time? I can certainly say that every single time I decided that my time is more valuable, that I was able to earn on a completely different level. But also, I always grew in my skill set. Like I've already worked at uh, multiple Michelin star restaurants on different continents. You know, I worked at one of the best restaurants in the world. So when I decided to make that move to... To starkly upgrade uh, what I wanted to charge people, I, I had the skill set to back it up. So, everybody who is in this course right now, you have to have a solid skill set. This is not a, I don't know how to cook, but I will earn six figure course. This is like, hey, I have a great skill set, but I don't know yet on how to present myself, how to communicate with people, how to place myself in the right kind of environment where I can actually earn six figures or multiple six figures. And that's the reality of this industry. Like um, salaries, and now I'm more so speaking about the United States, they can vary anywhere from 80K to 300K. And that might sound outrageous. And obviously, most chefs don't make a quarter million dollars. They don't make $300,000. But those positions are out there. That's a reality of the marketplace. Uh, While I would say that depending on the area that you're in, salaries Also, because for tax reasons, very widely, like if you're in Texas, Tennessee, Florida, you will have a different range of salaries than when you're in New York City, LA, San Francisco. Because those markets just by default, just to live there, the average rent is so high, uh, just to live there, your salary needs to be significantly higher, especially if they want you to live close by. Like, let's say you, you would be in Manhattan and they expect you to be close by and not live one and a half hours remotely or out of town, then just to pay your rent, you need significantly more money than if you were maybe in, you know, the, the greater Florida areas or somewhere in, in Texas or maybe maybe even somewhere in the countryside where those jobs are also out there. And then in those instances, the salaries might be closer to 80, to 120, 140K, uh, especially given the tax situation. Like, I mean, there's no income tax in different states like Florida, in example. So um, don't just look at the front number, but also understand, hey, what do I actually net at the end? You know, what are my living expenses? What does it cost me to be in Manhattan you know, what, what are the additional taxes that you have to pay just for being in that city? And then um, kind of compare that to the, the lifestyle you want to have. Maybe you're not made for the city and you just go there because, you know, that's where you can earn the biggest paycheck. But it actually really annoys you to have a small studio with uh, a lot of street noise outside. And maybe it excites you and it energizes you. So this first part is becoming crystal clear because now you're making a big shift from what your restaurant life looked like to what the private life looked like. And part of that is you will be a lot more of a lone wolf. Despite having thousands of private chef positions in the greater uh, New York area, you will barely get to know any of us unless you become part of a community. And again, um you know, make sure you join the Private Chef Inner Circle group on Facebook because uh, this is a thriving community of people that help each other out on every step of the journey. So I want to make sure that you don't feel like a lone wolf once you transitioned, which is an experience that many of us have. Like when you're in an estate, and whether it's in the Hamptons or in Sun Valley, you know, you go shopping, and at best, that's where you might meet another chef, and you know how chefs look. You know, the way they shop is different. They are quicker. They... They have their lists and everything. They might wear their chef coat. So that's where you get to connect with them, if at all. So this is a different game altogether, which is why I want you to uh, download the worksheet underneath and make sure you're dialed in on what is it that you're looking for in this position beyond the salary. Because this is not only about the money. And yes, maybe you have student debt. Uh, Maybe there's something you need to take care of financially. And this is like the best shot you have based on your skill set. And that's fair enough. But I encourage you to really hone in on, like, what is your skill set? What kind of family would you appreciate working for? You know, and what is a natural fit from a personality standpoint? And become crystal clear of that. It's not to say that this is exactly what you will get, but the chances that when you are crystal clear on what you want in your life, that you will attract it or that you will able to make the distinction when there's an opportunity is a lot higher. So this is a crucial piece to the puzzle. Don't skip this. Uh, take this worksheet to heart because once you start speaking with an agent or with a family or an estate manager, they will ask you these kind of questions. They will want to know from you, like, hey, what is it that you are looking for? And at the end of the day, that's what brings longevity to the table. If there's a natural alignment between what they're looking for, the set you have to offer, the personality that they appreciate in the house and the personality that you naturally have. Those are the matches that lead to a very good longevity. This is where this position can be very fulfilling for both ends of the, the part or both parties rather. So where the principal and you both feel a sense of appreciation, trust for each other. And at the same time, you feel like that your skill set really lands well. And again, I also want to emphasize not every position is for everyone. You know, don't be discouraged if you, you go through different process, interviews, trials, and you know it's not a good fit. One thing I want to make sure is that you understand that there is not really a lack of opportunity in this segment as long as you're willing to uh, either travel a little bit or live in one of the major markets. There's always opportunity. There's always new families looking for a chef. So the more clear you become about what you want for yourself, the easier it is for you to to translate that to the agents. And usually a really good agent is able to make a, a very good fit for longevity. They also want the principal to be happy and feel like they made the right decision by hiring you into the team. And sometimes that process can take a couple of days, and sometimes that process takes a couple of weeks or months. month. So whenever you're ready to make the transition, you know, make sure you have a little bit of a timeline. Make sure you have some money in the bank if you don't have a job or if you still have a job, make, make sure that, you know, you communicate everything in such a way that you can respect uh, giving the notice periods in one job, but at the same time, the other party understands that you might need uh, two or four weeks to give notice. So you want to be very frank and truthful in this entire process. We will take you through it step by step on how you stack your experience in such a way, how you communicate your experience in such a way, how you build your resume in such a way that at the end of the day, you present yourself in the best possible light, that you know how to communicate with people, that you start speaking their language and that you're able to level up you know, from being maybe an undervalued, underappreciated restaurant chef, but someone who is highly skilled to a highly appreciated, highly paid private chef. This is what we're here for. And um, I encourage you to go into the worksheet, make sure that you become crystal clear on what it is that you want for yourself. Because the more clear you become and the more action you take from here forward moving, the more likely it is that you know you close the gap a lot faster. And that's that's what we're here for. That's what I want to help you with, is to elevate your life, elevate your income. And I'll see you in the next module where we'll start speaking about what the resume looks like based on the many conversations we had with agencies as well as our own experience. So I'll see you in the next module after you got crystal clear on what you want to do. This was a preview of the Private Chef Masterclass. This was only Module 1, and there's a lot more to explore. Click the link in the show notes to find the full Masterclass with eight individual sessions that each teach you an invaluable asset to becoming a six-figure Private Chef.